you're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. This week, we're heading back into our Church Word series with a message from Pastor Tom Wood about the Church Word, Blessed. Let's check it out. Well, good morning, Word of Life. So glad that you're able to come and be a part of service with us, and um, so glad that you're able to be a part of service this weekend. Um, last week, there's a lot going on. This is a busy church, and we make no apology for it. Um, last weekend, we had free hot dogs at the end of service. Who remembers that? And I, I said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen free hot dogs given away at a church. <laughs> Incidents were minimal, please to report. But it did make me think that, um, you know, so much of church is not simply, you know, gathering as a part of a Sunday morning and sitting in a chair and, you know, getting here a few minutes late and then leaving a few minutes early. Like, that, that's, that's not church. If that's church, we're missing something. And it made me think not only about us that are gathered here this morning, but also everyone online. If you're watching church online, we love you. We're glad you're able to be a part of service that way. But if you're able to be here in person, I want to encourage you, let's get back to church. Be here in person and present. And um because we'd love to see you. We would love to see you. Church is a community of faith. And, um, you know, if you're not here, I believe you're missing out. I also believe that we are missing out because you are not here with us. Um, we are also going to announce uh, right now where we are currently up to with our One Day to Feed the World offering. So if you were here last week, we've talked about it for a number of weeks now. And um, we also, you know, heard it on the video already today. One Day to Feed the World is the way that we as a church get to support Convoy of Hope, a fantastic organization that helps people all over the world in a number of different ways. And I'm pleased to let the church know that as of right now, and we are still collecting um, anybody that hasn't had a chance to contribute towards that offering yet, we are currently at $34,866. And on this, I don't want to belabor this, but I just want to say there are two things with that. The first thing is that we don't, we're not able to collectively sort of raise that kind of offering unless people sacrifice. This is not people throwing in spare change. This is not people just like, I guess I got a spare 20 in my wallet. This is people digging deep. This is people intentionally setting aside a portion one day of their income in keeping with the whole idea of the offering. And so I want to thank you for your sacrifice because we, we don't raise this unless there's a pinch. So thank you, everybody. And also, this does not benefit Word of Life at all. There is nothing about this offering that is going to benefit us at all. This is all about us doing something for other people around the world, including here in the States and all over, any which way you can imagine. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad we're able to do that, and we will definitely be about doing that uh, next year as well. So Church Words, this is a series that started a long time ago. I think it was two years ago we started doing this, and we spent a number of weeks talking about different words that you typically only hear in church or as part of a conversation around the things of faith. So we started talking about Church Words, and then we revisited it and did it for another few weeks, and then we're going to do another couple of weeks looking at different words that you wouldn't typically hear in a conversation outside of the things of faith. Now, the word that we're doing today is possibly the least churchy of the church words. And the word we're going to look at today is the word blessed. Now, as soon as I told some of the people in the staff and some of the people in the office that we were going to be talking about the word blessed, everybody sort of instantly got a smile on their face and jokingly said, hashtag blessed. And that was the idea, is that hashtag blessed That's the way that oftentimes the idea of being blessed and a blessing is used is that something good happens in life. You know, you go to, you know, you go to a coffee shop and you order a medium, but they give you a large by mistake. Hashtag blessed. 
or you know, you, you've got a day off and the sun's shining, hashtag blessed. Or you, you, know, you go to Target and something that you wanted is 20% off, hashtag blessed. You know, we will say bless you when someone sneezes. If we're having dinner, if we're having a meal, oftentimes we'll pray and we'll pray for God to bless the food. But surely we all know that being blessed, the blessing of God is far much more and is much richer than 20% off a target going from a free upgrade from medium to large and when someone sneezes. It has to be far much more than that. Down south, they say, bless your heart as a covert way of saying you're stupid and you don't know it. And surely, the whole idea about being blessed, in line with what's taught in the Bible, the idea of God's blessing, has to be so much more than that. So to start considering how we should and what is a correct way of thinking about God's blessing in our lives, I want to share three verses with you. Funnily enough, these three verses I'm going to share with you, they don't contain the word blessed, blessing, or blessed. So I'm going to start in Mark 10, 18. This is Jesus talking. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. And then to James' epistle. When whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. And then Romans 8, 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Every so often the worship team will sing an older hymn, and there's one that's called Doxology that recently had somewhat of a modern revamp, and we've sung it a few times. I want to read to you the chorus from the song. It says, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This idea of being blessed, it's a big topic, runs throughout the Bible. And the definition of the word blessed I want to share with you is to be blessed is to enjoy the good aspects of life that have been provided or made possible by God. To be blessed is to enjoy the good aspects of life that have been provided or made possible by God. The word aspects is intentionally broad. It includes the big and the small. It includes the things that are easy to quantify and the things that are difficult to specify. It also includes the things that are essential as well as the things that are fun. To bless someone is to essentially say, I hope you enjoy the good aspects of life that have been provided or made possible by God. To call a gift a blessing is to say that this is one of the many good things in life. To look at our paycheck or our house or a full refrigerator, it is right and appropriate to see these things as blessings. The most important things in our life, our relationships, are a blessing. At a wedding, we typically pray that a couple would be blessed. I call my children blessings. Blessings that are giving me gray hair, but they're blessings. We could apply calling a blessing to a season of life. A season of life may be blessed if it's a prolonged period of time where everyone in the family has been in good health or there hasn't been a major catastrophe. Maybe something positive has happened like a promotion or graduation or maybe after years of working hard at a small business, it's finally starting to take traction. It's a blessed season. The Bible even talks about us blessing God, meaning that we vocally exclaim our praise to Him and that He may enjoy the good relationship that He has with us. No matter what angle you look at blessings and being blessed, it's a positive. To help us get the right perspective, I want to consider the wrong perspective. The wrong perspective of blessings. I've got five things. The wrong perspective of blessings, the first thing is, is that we're entitled to good things. The second thing is that the goal is to accumulate more and more. Thirdly, 
We want it now, and we want it on demand. The fourth thing is that there is no connection to obedience. The fifth thing, that we'll settle for momentary and fleeting. Those are the wrong perspectives on blessing. It reminds me of kids on Christmas morning. This perspective, it's self-centered, it's small-minded, it's childish. Young children on Christmas morning, that's exactly how they act. It's also how adults act on Black Friday, but that's another story. But let's remember our definition. To be blessed is to enjoy the good aspects of life that have been provided or made possible by God. So I want to flip the wrong perspectives and consider the true purpose of blessings. So I want to go back through that list of wrong perspectives and consider what the true purpose of blessing is. Instead of being entitled to good things, we should enjoy good things. Instead of having the goal to accumulate more and more, we should share with others. Instead of having this attitude of we want it now and we want it on demand, we should see blessings as a way to build an eternal perspective. Instead of looking at blessings as having no connection to obedience, it should inspire obedience within us. Instead of settling for momentary and fleeting, it should encourage endurance. The word blessed or blessing is seen hundreds of times throughout the Bible. And there's any number of ways that we could have approached this topic this morning. But to try and give a a fair overview of the Scriptures, I'm going to consider nine especially significant moments that we can see throughout the Bible. Nine key moments, either people or moments in the Scriptures, that can help us speak to this whole idea of blessing. So I want to start all the way back in Genesis 1 and look at creation. This is the first time you'll see the word blessed in the Bible. Then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. It's God talking about animals when they were created. And then down to verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Similar language, of course. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. That's talking about God creating humanity. And then when God initiates the Sabbath on the seventh day, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So this whole idea of blessing, it starts off in the book of Genesis, right at creation. May creation and everything in the world be filled with life. May the Sabbath be blessed and filled with joy and rest in him. We then fast forward to Abraham. And Abraham, God comes and makes a significant promise to him. Genesis 12:1. The Lord had said to Abraham, this is Abraham's name before God changed it to Abraham said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is a promise of blessing, not just for Abraham or even just Abraham and his family, but for the whole world. It's impossible to over-exaggerate the weight and significance of this. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This promise of blessing for all the families on earth is a huge moment of the Bible, and it's a consistent thread that we can read throughout the Scriptures. We then fast forward to Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Now, Jacob, he knew the value of a blessing, so much that he schemed with his mother to steal his brother's blessing. 
Now, the blessing that we're talking about that Jacob schemed with to steal from his brother was a public prayer where a father who was expected to die soon would proclaim how he expects and wants God to work in his son's life. Jacob's father was supposed to pray for the older brother, but Jacob found a way to sneak in and have his father make this proclamation for him instead of his brother. In that culture and in their custom, Jacob stole his brother's blessing. Consequently, his brother wanted to kill him, so Jacob ran away. While Jacob was on the run from his brother, he was working for his father-in-law. And the Bible says that his work was blessed by God, and there was an abundance. And when he's returning home, he encounters a mysterious figure who we later find out is God himself. And Jacob wrestles him and demands a blessing. Now, Jacob may have tried to scheme and manipulate to get a blessing in his younger years. But what's undeniable and what's the example for us is that this is someone who understands the importance and the value of a blessing. And we fast forward to Moses. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. After God had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, he's brought them through the wilderness. They've received the Ten Commandments. He's given them a system of sacrifice and worship in the tabernacle, and they're given a chance to recommit to the covenant and experience all the blessings God has promised. And Moses is commissioned to present the promise of blessing to the people of God. Moving on to David. David wrote this in Psalm 1, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers." So here we get a strong warning about not walking, standing, or sitting with people who will drag us down. David tells us that instead we should fill our minds and fill our time with God's Word. In that way, we can be like a tree that's strong and providing great fruit. The prophets, the people that wrote books towards the later half of the Old Testament, many examples of blessing, but I picked this one from Ezekiel that stood out to me. Ezekiel writes this, I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill. And in the proper season, I will send the showers they need. There will be showers of blessing. Ezekiel's writing to the Jewish people as they were in exile in Babylon, 900 miles away from their home. This was written to a group of people without any natural reason for hope. But here, there's the promise for showers of blessing. And then Jesus, part of the teaching that he gave in Luke 14, he says, now he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, 
Whenever you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor wealthy neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you to a meal in return, and that will be your repayment. But whenever you give a banquet, invite people who are poor, who have disabilities, who are limping, and people who are blind, and you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And here Jesus is bringing a different perspective. It's an invitation to think about this in the light of eternity. It's not all about here and now, but there's an infinite perspective. If it was just about me being blessed and prospering and getting ahead, why would anyone be generous to someone that couldn't reciprocate? But Jesus is teaching a different way. Of all the things that the apostles say, this one stood out to me from Paul writing to the Galatians. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And here we have Paul connecting doing good to endurance and patience, and consequently, a blessing. And then in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21.7, all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. The promise of these blessings is in eternity, not simply here and now. And let's remember our, our list of the five purposes of blessings that I shared a moment ago. The purposes of blessing, to enjoy good things, to share with others, to have an eternal perspective, to inspire obedience, and to encourage endurance. Now, as I walk through those scriptures, I hit on nine key touch points of the Bible to try and get an overview of blessing as a whole. And after collecting these nine scriptures, I wondered how those five purposes were represented in those nine. And the first thing I came up with is we consider the idea of enjoying good things. We have God saying at creation that it's blessed and be fruitful and multiply. Go and enjoy the world. As Jacob is wrestling for a blessing, he's wrestling for something good. Moses, the promise was that the blessings of God were going to be a wonderful enrichment to the lives of the Hebrews. It was going to be a wonderful thing that they would enjoy the success and abundance that came from God's blessing. David in the psalm, he's talking about the person being prospering and having their lives being fruitful as they're planted by the river. It reminded me, I was thinking about this idea of enjoying a blessing. I thought about a time this happened to Megan and I. It was maybe 18 months ago. We were in um, Charleston, South Carolina. We were there. Um, coincidentally, we were meeting with Convoy of Hope to go over a few things. And while we were there, we'd taken a few vacation days to spend some time down south, and we really wanted to take a boat trip. And we got down there, and um, the boat trips were expensive, and um, we also didn't have a ton of time. So between Wallet and Clark, we decided not to do it. But on the, as we were getting ready to go, and we'd driven down, so we didn't have the crunch of um, having to make a, a plane, so we'd driven down, and so as we're going to check another hotel, a couple that we'd met the night before that were also at the same Convoy of Hope thing, you know, we sort of got to talking, and they just said, hey, we're members of a boat club. We're, they were from Nashville, so we're members of this boat club in Nashville, and they have like a branch or, you know, one of their setups here, and so we're going to go, and we're going to go and take a boat out. You want to come with us? We said, no, we've got to make it back. We want to beat traffic. <laughs> but we got to go on a boat ride. How cool is that? Now, I mean, it, it's a cool story. It's not the kind of thing that is going to convince an atheist that God is for real, but it's a cool story. It's a blessing, and it was something that we enjoyed. And then life is filled with those little moments of just something good, something positive, something that's going to be, you know, brings joy. And it's perfectly good, and it's perfectly acceptable, and it's right, and it's correct that we enjoy those moments. It brings on to the second one, share with others. It's right that we enjoy God's blessing, but that's not the end of the line. Share with others. 
To Abraham, we just read that all the families on earth will be blessed through you. This was never just about Abraham. Jesus, in his teaching, he said, don't focus on doing favors for people who are going to repay you accordingly, but instead look for ways to bless others without any expectation of them returning the favor. In Acts 20, Paul is quoting Jesus, and he tells a group of church leaders that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is completely counterintuitive, and yet we all know it. We know that Charles Dickens was right. Scrooge wasn't happy, even though he amassed wealth and hoarded it. The story would have been very strange if Scrooge had all this money, was tight-fisted, never gave money to charity, underpaid his employees, but was really, really happy. If Scrooge was the life of the party, even though he was stingy, it would have made no sense. And Dickens was British, which means we know he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> we instinctively know that this isn't the goal of life to just acquire more and more. It's one of the reasons that so many TV preachers make me want to throw up. It's so imbalanced. So oftentimes you'll hear preachers go on and on about your blessings, your promises of God's lim limitless blessings. It's all about you and what you can get and more and more for you. It's about feeding me and me and me. And it's building a selfish complex within us. I'm asking you, if you're listening to preachers and the core of what they're saying is all about how blessed God wants you to be, all the wealth God wants you to have, seven easy steps to finding your miracle so you can be happy, please, please, please use discernment. If a preacher is appealing to your selfishness, I say that again, if a preacher is appealing to your selfishness, they're asking you to embrace the flesh and embrace the sinfulness that God is working to overcome in our lives. Please be wary. Please be wary. Have strong discernment. If a preacher has an imbalanced focus on you and what you want and God blessing you now with anything you want, please be on guard. What can sound like encouragement can be twisted into fueling self-centeredness. Let's instead focus on not only craving blessings but for as good things for ourselves, but also on how we can have these blessings to enrich the lives of others. One of the great things that I've seen happen, I, I tried to sort of get a fair estimate as I was weighing this up, and I don't want to say hundreds, but I'm confident to say dozens. In my time in church leadership, my time in ministry, there have been dozens of times people have come to me and said that they just wanted to do something nice for someone, only to have the person flood into tears because what just happened was something they've been praying for for a period of time. It's how I, I've heard this story from people dozens of times. Someone will let me know, and they'll be so excited about it, and they'll be so happy to be able to let me know. They're like, hey, Tom, you don't understand. I had a spare winter coat, and my kids grew out of it. And I thought about a neighbor, or I thought about a coworker, or I thought about someone in church that I know, or I knew someone, and I thought, hey, do you want this coat? Only to have a single mom break down in tears and say, I didn't know how we were going to get a coat figured out this winter. I don't, I've lost count. I, I didn't want to exaggerate to you and say hundreds, but definitely dozens of times I've heard that story from believers. Can you, the, the joy of having someone respond to you that the small gesture, the gesture that you thought was just small and, you know, a simple act of kindness meant the world to them. Do you know like the, how, how just uplifting that is? The words of Jesus that Paul's quoting in Acts 20 come alive that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
To be able to hear someone say like, oh my goodness, this simple act of, of kindness, this simple act of goodness is an answer to prayer. I didn't know how this was going to come together. But God used you, a believer who didn't just see blessings as something to absorb for themselves and gobble up for themselves, but instead had the love and the compassion, the kindness and the thoughtfulness to think beyond their own four walls is an answer to prayer. When God is at work in our lives and His goodness is evident, how can we share it with others? It's a cliche, but it's true that I want each and every believer to be blessed so they can be a blessing. I hope you love helping other people, not feeling guilted or obligated. I hope you find joy in helping people and never getting any recognition for it. Christians all over the world are making a difference in their communities, and they're finding out that it is a joy they're finding out that while God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver loves giving. Third thing, build an eternal perspective. Build an eternal perspective. Jesus, as he was teaching the blessings that he promises, it's not going to be experienced or fully realized until the resurrection, until the end, as we step into eternity. We also read from Revelation that those people that pursued at the end, that they will inherit all these blessings, not now, but in eternity. Any blessing we experience in this life, my friends, it's a glimpse. It's a hint of what true eternal blessings will be. I, I honestly wonder if we think about eternity enough. Here at the church in the past 12 months, the past year or so, we've had a large number of funerals. And whenever we have a funeral, whenever I attend a funeral, it always prompts me to start thinking about eternity. It's a strong reminder of the weight of eternity. The promise from Jesus is that there is a far greater blessing in eternity than we will ever experience here on earth. Our eternal blessing is also supposed to be a much stronger motivation than anything that may happen here on earth. As I was thinking about it this week, I wondered how my perspective would change if when something good happens, when I experience God's blessing, what would happen to my perspective if I stopped and not only remembered to thank God for whatever's just happened, but also to take the time to reflect that the joy or the entertainment or the fun or the fulfillment that this blessing may bring, just to remind myself and reflect that this is but a glimpse of what's ahead. It's a hint. It's a grain of sand compared to miles of beachfront. Imagine picking up a single grain of sand and letting that be a reminder of the awesomeness of a beach or a tropical island or the majesty of a sweeping desert. A single grain of sand can be a reminder of a whole lot more. A specific instance of God's blessing or favor or healing or provision or breakthrough is all a glimpse of what's to come, an eternity filled with God's unending goodness. The fourth thing we talked about is the purpose of blessing is to inspire obedience. David, he wrote that blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Moses, he wrote about this extensively. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. The Apostle Paul writes, let's not get tired of what's doing good. Don't give up doing the right thing. Keep on following God faithfully. If you do a very quick search on the Bible app or biblegateway.com for the word bless, which is what I did this week, it stands out how often blessing and obedience go hand in hand. It's far much more than I would have guessed. What I concluded was that pushing God away means pushing away his blessing. 
You can go your own way, but you're going to have to drive your own car and pay for your own gas. Let me say this. Obedience in of itself results in blessing. Raising kids is in a way that honors God. It sets them up for a stronger adulthood. Being obedient in tithing opens up the windows of heaven. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. This causes marriages to flourish. Telling the truth instead of lies, it means earning trust and respect. Working hard and being responsible because you're taking the book of Proverbs seriously leads to blessing. To invite God's favor and his blessings, keep being obedient. Keep renewing your minds so that our values become kingdom values. And I believe we'll see more and more of God's blessing flow in our lives. And the promise of blessings will inspire godly obedience in our lives. And the fifth thing. The fifth thing, the purpose of blessings is to encourage, uh, encourage endurance. Encourage endurance. Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. And he never got to see it. He never lived to see it. But he had a long-term vision and a purpose and a promise. Jacob, talking about endurance, he saw that blessing was worth fighting for. The prophets, Ezekiel, the passage I read, it says, in the proper season, I will send the showers they need. There will be showers of blessing. And this was written to people in captivity 900 miles away from home. And to those people, there's a promise of a better season ahead. And Paul, as he wrote, let's not get tired doing good. Just keep going. I would say endurance is an underrated quality. Endurance is an underrated quality. It's not glamorous. It's not from page news, but just turning up faithfully is an underrated quality. The purpose of blessings is to enjoy good things, to share with others, to build an eternal perspective, inspires obedience, encourages endurance, and this corrects the wrong perspective. The wrong perspective that we started off with is that we can too often feel entitled to good things, that we want to accumulate more and more, that we want it now and on demand that there's no connection to obedience, and that we settle for momentary and fleeting. To help uh, explain and really sort of look at the weight of the word blessed, I wanted to share something with you that I noticed this week as I was getting ready for today. Um, there is 66 books in the Bible. And I did some searches and, uh, you know, d- tried to prepare as best I could. And what I found is that um, across the books of the Bible, the word blessed is said disproportionately more in three books compared to all the others. The promise of God's blessing is most prevalent and most blatant in three books of the Bible. The word bless or blessed or blessing is said in Genesis, Deuteronomy, and Psalms significantly more than any other book of the Bible. So I'm normally good at keeping this a secret, but I am a giant nerd. I'm shocking, I know. But in the books of Genesis, Deuteronomy, and Psalms, collectively, they make up 14% of the whole Bible, going by word count. Okay, so they make up 14% of the whole Bible. But in Genesis, Deuteronomy, and Psalms, 43% of the times the word blessed is used in the whole Bible is in those three books. Everyone tracking? So these three books, if you add them together and you look at the word count against the whole Bible, it makes up 14% of the Scriptures. And yet 43% of the times we talk about the word blessed is in just those three books. Now, it reminds me of a time that a group of the church staff went to Chick-fil-A. This story may or not be true, but I'll tell it anyway. 
A group of us from the church staff went to Chick-fil-A. There were seven of us. There was myself, Megan, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Annie, Pastor Mike, Luke, and Mr. Driscoll. And seven of us, we go to Chick-fil-A. And when we get there, we realize that we've all forgotten our wallets and we have no way of paying. <laughs> but Luke remembers that he has a special coupon for free 20 chicken nuggets. So we decide that we're going to share 20 chicken nuggets between the seven of us. So when they bring them over and they say, my pleasure, before we've even had a chance to pray, Pastor Mike has got his big hand in the box and he's taken eight of them for himself, stuffed them in his face. He's chewing them up, making a mess, making all kinds of weird noises. And because Pastor Mike has taken eight of them, it means the rest of us, the other six, we've, we're only able to have two each. So we're at lunch. We haven't even said grace yet. Mike's already stuffed his face. Like I said, this may or may not have really happened. So Mike gets eight, the rest of us get two. Just in case you're wondering, that is the best way I could think to describe the distribution of the word blessed across the whole Bible. Those three books, Genesis, Deuteronomy, Psalms, 14% of the text, and yet 43% of the time, that's where you'll find the word blessed or blessed or blessing. So it's worth asking, why these three books? Why are these three books, out of the whole Bible, why are these three books predominantly talking about blessing, far much more so than the other books of the Bible, which have plenty of references to blessing, but these three really stand out. It's Genesis. Genesis, of course, is the beginning, and it sets the tone for the whole Bible. Indeed, it sets up a whole worldview. The book of Genesis was written down by Moses and the Israelites as they escaped from Egypt. It appears that the book is recording the stories that the Hebrew slaves would tell each other the stories of their ancestors, and the way God made promises to them. These stories explore the problems that sin have caused for humanity and all creation. We understand something about the human condition and how we desperately need God's help. The book of Genesis helps us understand why the world is the way that it is. Why is it so often unfair? Why do people treat each other terribly? How can we start to make sense of any of this? And to people trying to make sense of the world and understand why existence is the way that it is, God promises blessing. And his promise of blessing is predominant and impossible to miss in the book of Genesis. In the middle of making sense of life, there's the promise of blessing. And Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a, a pivotal moment in the biblical story. When God's people had been delivered from slavery in Egypt and they had received the Ten Commandments, they'd built the tabernacle where they could worship and offer sacrifices. God had taught his people countless valuable lessons as they wandered in the desert for 40 years and now they're ready to enter into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy, God's people are presented with a choice. As a freed people escaped from slavery, it's time to make a choice. Whether they will faithfully obey God or if they will choose anything else. Will they choose to obey God and enjoy his blessings? The same blessing promised through Abraham, or will they decide to do it without God's help? In the middle of life's biggest choices, choices to follow him and be faithful to him, or to abandon God and pursue life alone, in the middle of figuring out right and wrong and what kind of person we're going to be, 
God's promise of blessing takes center stage. These choices happen every day. Every day, you'll have multiple opportunities to choose faithfulness, and when you do, it's essential to remember God's blessings. And then the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is, among other things, a comprehensive tour of human emotions. I don't think there's a single human emotion that you or I could think of that is not included in the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, you'll see joy, grief, jealousy, hopelessness, excitement, fear, and in the throes of all the emotions that life can provoke out of us, the good, the bad, and the tragic, the absolute best and the absolute worst, and still God's promise of blessing is screaming loud and clear. This means, based on the numbers, because I'm a nerd, that the Bible teaches the promise of blessing comes up most often and disproportionately in the context and with the backdrop of how we understand and make sense of the world, like the book of Genesis. And being blessed is spoken about in conjunction with all of the human emotions that you or I could think of in the book of Psalms. And being blessed is intertwined with a strong commitment to following God and a rejection of the path that leads us away from Him and His kingdom, as we see in Deuteronomy. I want to share this verse from Ephesians. Ephesians 1.3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Every believer is, as Paul phrases it, united with Christ. And being united with Christ means we are blessed. And what are we blessed with? Every spiritual blessing. The new covenant means that every promise of God is found in Jesus. The source of blessing is Jesus. I was out to lunch with a friend of mine from the church, Larry Sanderson. Where's Larry? He didn't know I was going to talk about him today. But I was out to lunch with Larry. Can't see him. Where is he? Larry, put your hand up. There you go. All right. Larry may or may not be the best looking guy in here today. <clears throat> but I was out to lunch with Larry not long ago. And as we were there, and, uh, you know, we sort of chatting away, and uh, the waitress came over and, you know, sort of started to ask how we were doing. You know, typical thing. You sat at a booth, and the waitress came over and said, hey, how's everyone doing? And Larry said, essentially, his catchphrase, I hope that's fair for me to say, Larry said, I'm blessed and highly favored. It's true. And so the waitress said, what do you mean? Or why is that? And I think it's the happiest I've ever seen Larry because he got to give her the answer. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Now, I'm happy to talk about my friend Larry. He didn't talk about all the stuff he has. Didn't even mention bank account. Didn't talk about it. All he said was, Jesus has changed my life. Didn't talk about the stuff. Didn't talk about the answered prayers. <clears throat> He pointed to Jesus. And my friends, in light of everything we've talked about so far, because of Jesus, we can enjoy good things. Because of Jesus, we can share with others. Because of Jesus, we can build an eternal perspective. Because of Jesus, we can be inspired in obedience. Because of Jesus, we can find encouragement for endurance. Now, all the things we've talked about today, none of this gives us the magic formula or cracks the code to ensure that every prayer is answered exactly how we want it. God is not subjected to us. 
We cannot boss him around. I cannot place demands on him and scold him when he doesn't perform. That's not the relationship that we can have with God. He is God. He is Lord. He is sovereign. But I believe that if I embrace the commands and teaching from the Bible, I'll at least be better positioned for God's blessing. Enjoy what you can. We can stay faithful, prioritize God's blessing. We can pursue obedience. We can fill our heads with God's word. We can have lasting endurance, caring about others. We can keep doing the right thing, and we can have an eternal mindset. Now, it would be strange and I would even say unusual and unexpected to share a message on blessing and not read these verses because they're so well known. These are known as the Beatitudes from Matthew's Gospel. This is Jesus' teaching. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. My friends, who is it that God is blessing? He's blessing the poor that realize their need for him. People who are mourning and in grief and in sorrow. People who are humble. People who hunger and thirst for justice. People who are merciful. Those whose hearts are pure and people who work for peace and people who are persecuted for doing what's right. This isn't about everything going our way. This is the promise of blessing despite how life looks. Life will have difficult moments. For many of the people that Jesus is talking to, they may have only known of the difficulties and harshness of life. As Jesus is talking about people being poor or humble or in mourning, as he's highlighting people who are striving for peace and mercy instead of fighting back, as he's addressing people who are persecuted, not for doing the wrong thing, but for doing the right thing. As he's calling attention to all these realities, in the crowd, people would have lifted their head and recognized, he's talking to me. I'm humbled by life. I'm mourning the loss of a loved one. I want to work for peace in the harshest of conditions. And to those people, Jesus promises that the kingdom of heaven will be theirs, that they will be comforted, that they will inherit the whole earth, that they will be satisfied, that they will be shown mercy. They will see God. They will be called the children of God, and the kingdom of heaven is theirs. These promises. These promises, they're not made to the proud and the successful. This is the ironclad promise of blessing to the hurting, the humble, the forgotten, and the good-hearted people. My friends, you may be in a bad season. Your whole life may have been difficult. And to you, you are included in Jesus' promise of blessing. In spite of whatever life has thrown at you, you have the promise of blessing. Because of Jesus, we can enjoy good things. Because of Jesus, we can share with others. Because of Jesus, we can build an eternal perspective. Because of Jesus, we can be inspired in obedience. Because of Jesus, we can find encouragement for endurance. In spite of whatever life has thrown at us and in spite of all the good reasons we have to feel beaten up by life, 
we have a promise of blessing. Instead of feeling entitled to good things, let's recognize that we don't deserve God's goodness, but He gives it so lavishly anyway. It means that even though I haven't earned it, I can enjoy the good things in life. Instead of thinking the goal is to accumulate more and more, we look for ways to enrich the lives of others. The good things that God has given to us means that we have something to share with others. Instead of wanting it now and on demand, let's trust that God is moving even if we can't see it. Instead of being consumed with today, let's start to form an eternal perspective, caring less about getting it all today, but rather looking ahead to what's in eternity. Instead of presuming blessings have no connection to obedience, let's find the joy in obedience. God knows best. This is proven all day, every day. The promise of blessing should inspire obedience from us. Instead of settling for momentary and fleeting, let's commit to the long haul. God's commitment to us is not only for a lifetime, but also for eternity. Our commitment to Him should be permanent and the foundation of our whole lives. And the promise of God's blessing and His favor is to encourage the endurance that we need. In Genesis, we can see that in the middle of figuring out life and trying to make sense of the world around us, remember God's promise of blessing. In Deuteronomy, we can learn from the example of the Israelites that as they were deciding whether they were going to be loyal and faithful to God and if we are going to follow anything else and try it alone or whether we are going to be faithful, as we are making those decisions each and every day, remember God's promise of blessing. In the book of Psalms, we're shown the full range of human emotions, whether life is bringing joy or peace or hopefulness or excitement, or whether life is bringing sorrow or upset or frustration, jealousy or anger. Remember God's promise of blessing. And from the Beatitudes, we can see that in Christ, we are blessed despite how it all looks, despite our circumstances. In mourning, for those that are humble, for the poor in spirit, for the merciful, there is the unshakable promise of God's goodness. To be blessed is to enjoy the good aspects of life that have been provided or made possible by God. A couple of questions for you. Take a chance, write these down. If you have your phone, type these in your notes. If you want to grab a piece of paper and a pen, write, in, write these down and take a few minutes this week to think about this, pray through it. But where has my perspective of blessing become faulty? Where has my perspective of blessing become faulty? Where have we become entitled or selfish or impatient or demanding? Where has our perspective of blessing become faulty? And secondly, do I think about God's promise of blessing enough? Do I think about God's promise of blessing enough when making sense of life, making choices by faithfulness or writing the full range of human emotion? Is our mind full of God's word and his promises? Do we think about God's promise of blessing enough? I invite you to stand with me. We're gonna go into another time of worship together. I wanna reread these verses I read to start us off today. Mark 10, 18. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. And Romans 8.31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I heard a while ago, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's okay. The quickest way to get rich is to count your blessings. Every single one of us will never, ever run out of reasons to thank God. 
as we spend time in worship together, take a moment and just think, reflect, answer the question, what blessings are evident in your life? What reasons do you have to thank God? And as we spend time in worship, let that drive your worship. Let that drive your praise of all the good things that God has done in our lives, all the reasons we have to thank Him. So come on, but let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, as we spend time, Lord, worshiping you, lifting you up, Lord, declaring your goodness. Lord, may we, each and every one of us remember how you have been such a giant blessing to us, the wonderful ways you have worked in our lives, the way you've promised to work in our lives, the ways that we're still expecting you to work in our lives. Lord, help us have your heart around blessings, not to drive selfishness, but to let us live a life of purpose and life that is honoring you. Lord, as we lift your name up in worship, I pray you move in the lives of your people right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, everyone, let's spend some time together in worship.